This is the I Read Comic Books Podcast. I am your host, Mike Rapid. Joining me this week, the spirits of Christmas cheer and Christmas misery, Brian Murray. Happy holidays. And Kate Lamphere. Bah humbug. Ex- ah, perfect. Welcome. This is I Read Comic Books. It, you know, we are talking for episode 311. You should all be very thankful that I did not, uh, you know, start this episode with an is the energy. And now I've already done it. That's a joke for only a handful of people who care about 311, the band. Uh, we're here to talk about comic books. This is the last episode of the year. Uh, we are Next week's episode is going to be a pre-recorded mini-sode, and then the first episode in 2022 is going to be a pre-recorded mini-sode. I'll tell you more about those at the end of the episode. But uh, the last thing I'll say before we get into things is patrons. If you're a patron on, on the IRCB Patreon, you should be picking your reading challenge book for next year for the Goodreads Reading Challenge. I know we've been doing nothing but Goodreads episodes for the past couple weeks, but... It's very important. It's very, very important. Um, so if you're a patron, you can send us a book and it'll end up on next year's Good Goodreads Reading Challenge, which I'm very excited about. So far, some of the books that are coming in, top-notch stuff, folks. That's all I can say. Uh, but anyways, let's get into things. I've got two legally mandated questions that I've got to ask it. How have you been? How have comic books been? Let's start with you, Kate. I've been good. I've been watching The Witcher Season 2 and I'm not done with it yet, which means nice. that we have to finish recording quickly because I want to finish it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Um, I actually read some number ones recently. I read Rain Number One by Joe Hill, David M. Boer, Zoe Thorogood, and Chris O'Halloran. I think that this is coming out from Image in January. Um, Joe Hill is a pretty big name for prose book authors, but it's the cover that really made me want to read this one. Um, It shows like this giant spike going through two different women, and it's like, well, what is that about? Why is that connected to Rain? (laughs) Um, this book is both horror and LGBT. It is like quick, interesting. It is kind of a sad read. I think it's it's a lot of exposition. It sets up what I imagine is going to be a larger story, a larger fallout from what happens in, in issue one. Um, and I really need answers about where this rain comes from and where the story is going to go from here. I think that this is based on a short story. And I could go and read that short story, but I'm not going to because this comic was very good. That's awesome. I, I'm very much looking forward to this one. Uh, I think Jeff in the chat said he is as well. This is uh, Zoe Thorogood. I'm, I absolutely love her art. So um, I'm gonna have to check this one out too. I think we, we got this one in advance, right? From Image? Right. Yeah. 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 I yeah. Think, okay. Uh, January 12th, I think is its projected release date. Yeah. Okay. Well, that means I'm gonna have to read that over Christmas. That sounds really exciting though. Uh, yeah. I also read Hecate's Will number one. Um, and I've, I've heard of this one beforehand. I, it's by Iolanda Zanfardino and it's from Black Mask. It came out in November, which is probably why it was, it was uh, a familiar title for me. The first few pages show the narrator talking about ending something, which made me really fear the worst, you know, the very worst ending of something. And I almost stopped reading, but I'm glad that I kept reading and I found out that I was wrong. The main character, Hecate, is a graffiti artist and um, she's got a following, which I don't know if she knows about that. It's on social media. People go around, take pictures uh, from from what is suggested, at least. And she also takes in a job as a costume designer for this community production of Rent, which is very like coincidental because they mention in the book that it's the 15 year anniversary of um, the writer's death, the writer of Rent. And I just watched uh, Tick, Tick, Boom, which is about his life. So it was a nice little coincidence. Um, And I know that some things about musicals, I used to work backstage at, um, at my high school musical productions, actually, but I know nothing about graffiti. So I'm really interested to see how these two different arts combine in the rest of the story. 
Um, mm-hmm. And I wanted to mention the art because it's two or three colors depending on what page you're on. And it has this like sketchy style. So it took me a, a page or two to get used to it, but it really does work well for the story. Mm-hmm. For some reason, I was waiting for the other shoe to drop in this description of the story. I thought it was going to be about something that has to do with like Greek mythology. I don't know why. Yeah, like, maybe. I mean, we'll see what kind of graffiti art she does. Like that's I guess that could be where her name comes from. You only see one of her pieces in in this uh first issue. So I'm really interested okay. to see what other work she does. Well, I, this also could be because I've been reading Lore Olympus, but okay. that, who knows? Who knows? <laughs> but yeah, that sounds it sounds really interesting. I I never heard of this book before. So, I mean, let us know how it goes, I guess through the rest of the series. Yeah, definitely. Brian, what about you? How have you been? How have comic books been? I've been good. No, uh, no replaythroughs of Metroid Dread in the last week. Okay. So okay. Nothing new to report on that front. Uh, I did read Volume Two of the Sixth Gun, though. Mm. Uh, which you might remember we did that as another uh, book of the month uh, a few months back. And Volume Two is is it's not it doesn't really stand out compared to Volume One. It's kind of just more of the same. Okay. But. I I mean that in the best possible way, in the sense that if you liked volume one, volume two gives you more good, like old timey, Western ish, supernatural horror. This volume takes place in Louisiana. So it's a lot more of that, like, uh, uh, I don't know what the correct term would be that, but that, that kind of like bayou mysticism, bog horror or something. I don't know. Some some real swamp spookies. (laughs) perfect <laughs> uh yeah there's a giant crocodile which i'm or alligator i suppose mm-hmm. always always a fan of of big lizards that aren't the color they're supposed to be uh-huh. <laughs> i read volume two and three of this and then i found out that volume three is not the last volume so <laughs> keep going it's good but it's not done yet yeah i because volume three came out in 2000 didn't it did it oh no in the year 2000 i'm sorry 2020 oh <laughs> Okay, that's much different. I was like, God. I was like, Cullen Bunn's been writing this book for twenty years. Mike, I don't know what year it is. <laughs> I think we've established that by now. Uh, yeah, I mean, I know that this book's been coming out for a while, or it came out for a while. I think it is done. Like the whole series is done. I mean, I, I have to rapidly Wikipedia search it, but um, yeah, I think it's it's finished. There were some spinoffs, but otherwise, it is it is finished. I think the last volume came out in twenty sixteen. Uh, or the last issue came out in 2016, so I'm guessing the volume came out shortly after that. Hmm, I'll have to look more into that then. But still, are you are you digging it, Brian? Are you going to continue reading it? Yeah, yeah, I've got volume three checked out on Hoopla already. So. Very nice, very nice. I'll have to d- dig through my backlog of humble bundles. I'm pretty sure I bought this series like in its entirety in a humble bundle for you know pennies because that's just how humble bundle works. And uh, I just need to actually sit down and read it. So it's good to hear that it continues to be you know at least want you want to continue reading it i don't know if that's like a a a good recommendation but like obviously you're continuing it so yeah like it it continues in the theme it's not like there's a big twist or anything like that Mm -hmm. it's just it's it's more good book yeah uh jeff is in the chat is saying you can't read humble bundle you can only buy them and i think that the general feeling that i get from a lot of our discord folks is that like we all buy humble bundles but none of us ever actually read any of the books in those humble bundles despite us all wanting to you know (laughs) in cleaning out my hard drive i found a bunch of humble bundle books that i had bought and forgot about Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. yeah this is uh 
this is the ever ever present problem of finding extremely cheap digital comics but um anyways i i before i get too deep into that i, I want to talk about the books that i've been reading i uh i had i've had a very incredibly busy week uh i had three book clubs line up in like a, a terrible like Bermuda Triangle style moment. So I only read like book club books and a handful of single issues that really put me off wanting to read the rest of my single issues this week. Um, I'm not going to name names, um, but I will say that I was just overall disappointed until I read this book, which was Suicide Squad, Bad Blood. This is by Tom Taylor with art by uh, Juan Albaron, uh, Bruno Rendondo, and Daniel Sampier. All I can say is if you're a fan of J James Gunn's The Suicide Squad or you like that style of just extremely cinematic comic book, um, it reminds me of like early Mark Miller. Uh, it reminds me of uh, some of the Hawkeye stuff. It reminds me of uh, there's a handful of other books that really capture this feel of like this could be a movie, but it works so much better as a comic um, where there's just a beat and there's a really well organized like approach to how each issue in this run is going to go um i i overall like this this book is solid i mean like start to finish it's really fun um the story i think meanders a little bit in order to do what most super fun big two comic books do at some point which is throw a big name into the story just to boost numbers and say haha we brought this character into the story can you believe it they're dealing with our wacky antics uh, but in the end it really delivers like a solid incredible and cinematic story uh that i really liked i mean from end to end this story of uh, if you I don't know, I don't really read DC comics, but I knew at least a handful of these characters, right? It's it's Harley Quinn, Deadshot, the big shark guy. And, you know, you, of course, Amanda Waller is in there for a minute, but like things change immediately. So if you have like a rough idea of what Suicide Squad is, it kind of changes things from, you know, the start. But uh, in, in a really good way in order to tell this this closed off kind of self-contained story uh, that all, has a lot of heart, strangely enough, despite being kind of a goofy, like full of jokes and nonstop beats and, or bits. Um, there's like a really strong heart at the center of this story all about Deadshot. I was, I was very surprised that I could even like a book featuring Deadshot. Um, and here we are. So yeah, I, I really liked how Tom Taylor and, his, and the folks that were drawing this book approached like this extremely like cookie cutter it like intentionally cookie cutter style of like each issue opens with with like kind of a cold open that leads to the title um and the title is always this the word suicide squad but something's happening inside of the letters um like a a, a a single panel scene is happening i think one of them someone's getting shot in the head it's just like the silhouette of the bullet going through their head you know um because it's suicide squad and it's got to be violent and uh yeah but it's really really good i i really enjoyed it uh, again, like I said, the, the story in the middle kind of meanders because they need to throw a weird tie into like a one off flash annual for some reason. But then like the next issue is like, yeah, fuck all that. We're just going to keep going with this main story that I've been building for a couple of weeks <laughs> or a couple of issues. Um, so I, I was really impressed with how Tom Taylor managed to kind of keep everything really focused on the the single story that he was trying to to tell um and i don't want to spoil it because i think if i tell you what it's about you're going to be able to predict the end but yeah this this is really cool for 11 issues it's like it's a great length of 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 story each issue reads really really fast um the violence is there but it's not gratuitous each character is is perfectly designed there's a bunch of new characters that get introduced as part of the story um one so that you can have a you know james gunn style uh hey we just introduced all these characters and now we're gonna kill half of them moment just because uh but also there's like these really beautiful visual gags and i i have to admit like despite having three different artists there was a consistent visual style throughout 
not like each of the artists were all trying to draw the same way, but they all kept the same like color palette and they kept the same character design. And I, I feel like Tom Taylor must have worked really closely with these folks to make sure that like all, all the gags and all the the approaches to how they did certain bits in the story were the same so it you feel this visual consistency despite the art changing every few issues um that i i really appreciate and it's i don't think you could do this with every book but uh for a maxi series like this it's it's absolutely perfect um so yeah i was i was very impressed and i really really love this i i think i'm the last person to come to this book and say like wow guys look at a really good suicide squad story because it seems like everybody i've talked to about this has read it but um yeah if you're just looking for like a hey let's try some dc book that's not a batman or superman book this one rules this one's super rules highly recommend it isn't there isn't there a dc animated movie of this of oh there might be i don't know or maybe i'm thinking of something else there's a there's a Batman bad blood. That's what I'm thinking. Of. Okay, okay. That's vampires, I think. Might be. I, I have no know. idea. I watched all of the DC animated Justice League, Batman, whatever features mm-hmm. earlier this year, and like the rest of 2021, it has completely fled my mind. <laughs> well, um, maybe we'll have to revisit that someday. Um, I, I I feel like there could be a DC animated series series at some point on this show where we just go through those movies and talk about them because I've heard a lot of them are very good. I think you've told me that a lot of them were pretty good, Brian, actually. Yeah. in the context of, I don't know how they keep dropping the ball on these movies because their animated features are so good. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. That being said, uh, I have to, I'm so fucking mad that Taylor Swift has a song called bad blood because that's all I could think about as I was reading this book. Fortunately, Tom Taylor did not make that joke, at least that I can remember, but still the whole time Taylor Swift in my head. I'm very mad about it. I mean, it's kind of a banger though. I know I, I, it, it is like that. It's not that it's bad. It's just that it, it infects your brain and you can't stop. Like it's in my head now and it's going to be in my head for the rest of the day. Like now we've got bad blood and that's it. Ugh. Oh yeah. And th- thank you, Danny for a gif of the music video. Anyways, one other book that I want to mention really quick. I read, uh, we started it on the Discord finally as part of the reading challenge. I said uh, last week that I was waiting to start East of West because you know what, folks? We're going on a journey from East to West. We have spreadsheets. We have planning. We've got an entire dedicated Discord room. Um, I, along with a handful of other folks on the Discord uh, Discord, uh, chat, are reading through all of East to West together. We're reading one volume a week for the next, I think, 10 weeks. And we're doing big live discussions about it, basically trying to just get through this big book and see if any of us truly understand it. Um, I think we've talked about, you know, East of West by Jonathan Hickman and Nick Dragata enough, but I started volume one and I remember why I was so obsessed with it. And I didn't remember some bits and pieces and it started to contextualize later volumes that I had read (coughs) over the years because this book started a million years ago um, and I totally forgot about it. So, yeah, very excited, really loving the first volume so far. Can't wait to read the rest. Um, I have a feeling that I'm just going to blindly give this entire series five out of five ratings in my spreadsheet, but we'll see how it goes. But um, yeah, that's that's what I've been reading. Uh, Let's let's move on and talk about comics that we're excited for. Let's talk about the comics that are on the top of our pile, new books, old books, whatever you're reading next. What's on the top of your pile? Let's start with you, Kate. I talked about Hecate's Will number one um, Mm -hmm. just a little while ago, and it turns out the Hecate's Will number two is coming out this week. So I think I'm just going (laughs) to get that added to my pull list and and start pulling those issues, which I haven't had anything on my pull list in over a year now. So this will be I think that this is going to be maybe the first thing that gets on there now. Wow. 
I mean, I guess you'll definitely have to let me know what's happening with this series then. I mean, if you're if you're going to start pulling it, it's that number one was that good that you're adding it to your pull list? Well, it's just because there's this combination of like graffiti and and rent uh, costume designing. It's just such an interesting like combination of of these things. And I don't know. I don't know where it's going to go from here. <laughs> like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think I'm going to have to keep up with this one. Gotcha. Uh, Brian, what about you? What are what's on the top of your pile? Well, I found out this week that apparently Marvel is doing an, an event, which I know is <laughs> no going to blow your mind. They never do those, <laughs> but they're, they're doing this event. It's the Darkhold event that's going mm-hmm. on, and it appears to be like a sort of cosmic horror kind of thing. Uh, I, I don't really know much about it because I just found out it was happening, you know, shortly before recording time. But the uh, the Spider-Man Darkhold or Darkhold Spider-Man issue was coming out this week. That got me interested because, you know, I'll, I'll check out anything that Spider-Man's in. Yeah, I, I saw the cover for some of these things like uh, there's like there's a cover for this this thing called Darkhold Alpha number one. Mm-hmm. And the cover is like I think there's two covers. Maybe one is Scarlet Witch and the other is Dr. Doom to which like. You've you've got me interested. Yeah, there's also a Darkhold Blade book in there. God damn so it! I gotta. <laughs> yeah, I'm taking you with me, motherfucker. I know. <laughs> I was gonna say last night we were uh, yesterday. I should say we were doing a, a hangout for the Discord book club, and uh, our our good friend Furret convinced me to pick up all of the Doctor Strange um, or Death of Doctor Strange tie-ins that I was kind of avoiding because that's the little mini event that I've tied myself into. Um, but he convinced me to read. Uh, the dark or excuse me the death of dr strange spider-man and i saw that there was a blade and i saw that there was a couple of other ones and i was like damn it all this weird like like out of the the main marvel scope uh tie-in books are happening and it's like god damn it now i'm gonna spend the five dollars on these issues um just because i want to see how the blade book um turns out because according to to everyone who was talking to me yesterday blade is like the king of a vampire kingdom now like yeah. all the vampire what the fuck is happening yeah in oh that was books? in uh I, I finished reading king and black after talking about it last week okay and uh blade and his vampire army showed up to uh <laughs> to help fight uh null and his symbiote army okay can the symbiotes not infect the vampires i'm 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 curious uh i mean seems to be you know it's it's a marvel event so we spent three panels with each character right. other than like the main other than Eddie Brock and his kid. I see. I see. Um, yeah, we got a little bit. Got a little bit of Captain America. A little mm-hmm. bit of Professor X. Which, by the way, what is up with that hat? The Professor X. The the big... I don't know. The big Jonathan dome. Hick- Jonathan Hickman loves his hats. Like, I'm reading East of West. The little, the little boy in East of West has the same hat as, as Professor X. So, I don't know. And if you read... The big, if you read the big his, orb head thing? Yeah, he's got a big orb head on his, on his head. And Wasn't that, uh, like a small version of his Cerebro machine. Yeah, I mean, okay. yeah, it's it's technically Cerebro, but it, it also looks stupid. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it looks really dumb. <laughs> I mean, it's it's so it's so weird. I don't know. I don't know. But his Fantastic Four. I don't know if you guys remember. There was a like Donny or not Donny Cates. Jesus Christ. You guys stop talking about Donny Cates in the chat. Uh, 
I, I'm trying to read the chat and talk at the same time. But uh, Hickman also did like an Ultimate Fantastic Four, Fantastic Four crossover thing where like evil Reed Richards from the Ultimate Universe like created this uber super evolutionary like time bubble thing, and he became like the the future king inside this super accelerated universe or micro universe. And Reed Richards wore this big dumb hat thing as well. Like, yeah, the maker. I don't know. Yeah, one, the one of the, the random ass Marvel things that just got stuck in my head sometime. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. I don't know. The hats, hats are something. They're they're a big deal with with Hickman. I don't know. If you make the head bigger, that means you're more powerful. Maybe. Yeah, I'll get out the red string and I'll get back to you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Well, yeah. I mean, I would. I am curious. You have to let us know about this Darkhold event because it does look intriguing. I might have to pick pick it up just because of that Doctor Doom cover. So I don't know. Dr. Doom has pulled me into way too many things as of late, and I'm very mad about that. <sighs> Anyways, I for me, uh, I guess before I get into my picks, uh, we had a ha- couple of people hanging out with us in the chat, um, and they also had picks for this week. Their, their top of their pile is uh, Jeff is reading East of West Volume 2. Paul G is reading Ed Brisson's Catch and Release, which is a Kickstarter book. I'm also looking forward to that. Uh, Danny is reading Batman One Dark Knight. And if I missed anybody else, I apologize. Let me know. But for me... My pick for this week, this is going to be a big surprise. I'll just say this. I'm picking up Batman One Dark Knight as well. I'm I'm in alignment with Danny this week. I'm picking a Batman book. I, I don't know if I've ever picked a Batman book on the show before, um, at least in a long while. But Jock's writing and, and reading this one, or excuse me, reading and drawing this one. Um, I've got a feeling this is, book is going to be like in the middle. You know, it's going to be right in the middle. Just like all of these big, super, you know, DC Max, whatever they're calling their their adult line of comics are going to be. But I'm very excited. I mean, Jock, Jock is a stupendous artist. I think he's worked in the industry for long enough that he probably knows how to write a dang comic book. Um, so I'm, I'm excited to see what he's going to do. If anything, this book is going to look real pretty. And I'm very excited to, to see what this is going to be about, especially uh, because the story seems to be like Batman's trapped on the wrong side of Gotham with a super villain in tow. And it's like, that is that not most Batman books? OK, whatever. Oh, but by the way, it's summer and it's super hot. All right, cool. <laughs> but uh I, i'm excited for this it should be should be really cool so i'm gonna i'm gonna pick it up and try to get myself excited for all the batman stuff that's gonna happen when this new batman movie comes out um but this yeah truly is another like what year is it thing where my pick is a big marvel book and your pick is a dc batman <laughs> like a batman book yeah like yeah is it college it, again what are we doing it's pretty much i mean yeah <laughs> We're just trying stuff, Brian. You know, we're getting out of our shells. That's what we're doing. But not really. Anyways, um, so let's we're gonna take a quick break. Uh when we come back, we're gonna be talking about our Goodreads book of the month, Long Walk to Valhalla. Uh, and uh should be a should be a fun discussion. So we'll be back in just a minute. Before we get into our focus of this week's episode, I got to shout out one pick that I missed. You know, folks were calling my name. They were screaming Donnie Cates in the chat to try to get my attention, but I missed it. Uh, So we had one last pick, which is from our friend Hugh. They picked Catwoman Lonely City number one. That's on the top of their pile. I have a copy of that sitting at home and it is a beautiful looking book. So um, good luck with that, Hugh. It's a fantastic looking book. Anyways, 
Let's get into things today. We're talking about our Goodreads book of the month for December, the last month of the year, uh, Long Walk to Valhalla. This is by Adam Smith with art by Matthew Fox, published by Archaea Press all the way back in 2015. Before we get into the discussion, I want to say thanks to everyone out there who had conversations in our Goodreads thread about this, who nominated books for this month and for the whole year. Um, it's been a really solid year for books. I, I've enjoyed all of the Goodreads Book of the Month books that I've read, um, and I appreciate everyone out there who continues to contribute. You are fantastic human beings. But let's get into things. Spoilers for this entire volume. If you haven't read Long Walk to Valhalla, you definitely should pause, go read that, come back. Um, but Kate, I'm going to pitch over to you because you wrote a wonderful little summary about this book. So full spoilers ahead. Let's go. Rory's car breaks down and he meets Sylvia in a cornfield. She's a young girl with cardboard armor who claims to be the Valkyrie of Arkansas. She's there to guide him to the afterlife, which he doesn't believe. She briefly gives him the ability to see the pretty things that Rory's nonverbal ol- older brother, Joe, has seen his whole life. Sylvia also asks Rory to recount certain events in his life in which he has been in battle, quote unquote. Rory talks about dealing with his abusive father and defending Joe from his own friends. Rory also tells the story of how his girlfriend Katie was pregnant. Rory, Joe, Katie, and the baby were going to leave town, but during a conflict between Rory and his father, the baby died in Joe's arms. Sylvia and Rory's journey leads them to a church potluck where Rory exchanges words with his father, Katie, and Joe. And Joe expresses contentment with his life. And then Sylvia walks away with Joe instead of Rory. <sighs> yeah. Um, this book is mildly depressing. Uh, I don't know if you guys got that feeling. But uh, Brian, what were your overall thoughts of this book? Yeah, I mean, it was it was a little grim, I guess, as anything that features a Valkyrie or any kind of Reaper tends to be. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I don't know. I, I ultimately thought that it was sort of a, a positive thing. Like the the lesson that I took away is that you've got to keep fighting until the fight is done. You know, you can't just give up and cut out. And because his fight wasn't done yet, he just had to keep going. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Kate, what'd you think? What were your uh, your overall thoughts, I guess? I guess the biggest thing that stood out to me is that this reminded me a lot of I Kill Giants by Joe Kelly and J.M. Kim Nomura, which Mm -hmm. is my favorite comic book. And I can say that pretty confidently. Like both of these books are set in the real world where the main character sees mythical creatures that others can't see. Um, And it's suggested that they are like they see these things to cope with their real problems, but maybe they're actually there and you never really find out. And Mm -hmm. I've read both this and I Kill Giants enough times that I've decided that it doesn't really matter if those things are real um, because it's the story that 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 is relevant and that is incredibly moving. Um, And these creatures um and this valkyrie kind of contribute to the path of the characters and they're like storytelling devices and they make the story magical which is like great in juxtaposition to how incredibly depressing <laughs> the story is otherwise uh yeah i i definitely i can see the the comparison i think like even strangely enough in like the art style kind of right i mean i i think the the art on i kill giants is is a little bit different obviously you know that there's a little bit more of an animated like cartoony style compared to uh matthew fox's art here like which feels a little a little bit rougher around the edges a little bit uh i don't know i and yeah but i i can i can see it i mean obviously the the norse stuff is is there but uh yeah i don't know my uh i thought this book looked nice i you know i picked it up a long time ago when it came out i think the the 
within the weeks that it came out, I grabbed this from from Midtown Comics, and I thought that I hadn't read it, which is why I was so confused reading it on this sit down. I think I even said that I hadn't read it to a couple of people, and uh, it turns out I went through my Excel spreadsheets and I had read it. I'd read it all the way back in 2017. Wow. Uh, the on literally the last day of the year, I sat down and read this book along with a couple other graphic novels that I think I was just trying to like get read and. Um, yeah, so when I, as I was reading through this book, like my my thought was like, man, this book feels predictable. Man, I feel like I know what's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think it was obviously because I had read it before. But uh, that being said, a lot of this book really didn't stay with me, which is pretty unfortunate. So on reread, you know, I didn't I didn't remember a lot of the bits and pieces of it, other than feeling like I kind of knew where the book was going. But yeah, it was it was extremely. I don't know. To me, it was kind of depressing and kind of just like. Like there was no real good resolution in the end. Like I, I felt like this this book, it, you know, it's it deals with like a really sad thing. Like there's no coming back from the the loss of a child and stuff like that. When it comes to can there be like a truly happy ending? You know, there's always going to be that grief there. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I something about this book just kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Like I felt like the most of the book was focused on Rory not blaming his brother for this whatever thing that he had whether it's some sort of like autism or some sort of mental handicap or something it seems like he was he was just constantly trying to protect his brother but in in a way that was like almost annoyed i i don't know maybe that was just my my we my weird read on it but i i felt like rory rory was like he wasn't directly saying that his life was worse because of his brother but it didn't seem like he was trying hard to to do anything about it i don't know maybe he, he wasn't I, not saying that yeah 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 i kind of felt like rory was putting a lot of effort into shouldering every burden and this kind of comes up right at the very end of the book and he says something like maybe i should have blamed you a little bit for the death of my, my kid but yeah i think that what he means i mean i had to reread this this scene a few times because i was like that seems mean like you could have worded that differently but I yeah. think that what he means is that, like, Joe is a a functional person. Like, he is an adult, even if he's nonverbal. And, like, he is able to shoulder some of the burden of the events of their life. And yeah. Rory could use his help with that, you know? Yeah. I mean, it, it seemed to me like Rory spent a lot of the time trying to be the shield for his brother in every aspect of his life you know whether it was these monsters or it was from his dad or right. from other kids i guess like in context like it, it you know with the end bit i think that yeah I, I agree with you kate like he's saying like you should have been able to shoulder some of this stuff um and maybe it's you know rory saying i made the mistake by thinking that you weren't capable of doing that but yeah i don't know i i, I wanted there to be some sort of stronger resolution or something maybe not stronger some some more I don't know, some resolution of this book that was like more agreeable that seemed like things could be okay because I felt like this book was all all sad and bad moments and rough moments for the characters and they're like even yeah. in the end it doesn't feel like there's truly peace despite everything. I don't know. That's yeah. just me. I don't know. I, I feel like I'm not trying to like shit on yeah. this book. I just was like unsatisfied with the end, I guess. I get what you're saying. Like it, it doesn't make it a bad book. It's just not what you were hoping for. Yeah. Yeah, I I am kind of like unsettled by the end, or maybe I'm I'm unsatisfied by the end. Is correct? I, and I felt that way the first time I read this, like a year ago, also. Um, and I just like I didn't really understand why 
Sylvia took Joe instead of Rory. Like it's it's kind of implied that Rory or I'm sorry, that Joe is like satisfied with life. He's had this job taking care of the cemetery and he sees people come and say goodbye. And that's kind of like comforting for him. Whereas uh, Rory, of course, is still like dealing with all of this trauma that's happened to him. And it kind of like is implied that Sylvia takes Joe because he's ready because he's he doesn't have any burdens or hasn't expressed any at least and i don't really like i feel like that's a bad message yeah 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 just because you're at peace doesn't mean it's time to die (laughs) (laughs) Uh, i was almost wondering like do valkyries have a quota like does does sylvia have to get somebody today (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah well, it's 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 strange that it seems that she was able to like make a choice in that moment. I, I feel like yeah. for some reason in my mind the the way that the story was structured, you know, like Joe's there's excuse me, Joe, Rory's car breaks down and it seems that to me I was reading that as like like he was on this journey, he meets this this girl Sylvia, and this is him on the path to the end of his life as he gets to reflect on everything. He's having this conversation with this Valkyrie to understand him. And she's already known you're a warrior. I have to take you. You deserve this. Um, in like, not in like a, you deserve death, but in, you deserve to go to Valhalla because you've lived this, this warrior's life. And it seemed like there was a, a predestination set there, right? Like the fate was no matter what happens, Rory's going to go. And so to see the end with this exchange is kind of, I, I don't know, just like, odd to me because it it's like what was the point of his car or like breaking down what was the point of all of these other things if only to say like oh is it by coincidence that this all happened or was there some bigger thing at stake here and i'm not necessarily saying that the, the book needed to answer that for us but maybe my preconceived understanding of like what these types of stories about people who are escorted to the end of their life um is different or is 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 maybe based in some sort of um, bias than maybe what the author was trying to intend here. I don't know. Did you, I don't know if you did. You guys get that feeling at all? Like there was a sense of like a predestination to it all. Yeah, I did, and that's. I think that that's why Joe being taken instead really just came as a a shock to me. Like it, it made me feel like the ground the ground uh, dropped out from beneath my feet. I guess. Mm-hmm. And uh, actually, we had some really good insight on the Goodreads group about this. Canavan said that um, like maybe this change or the switch of people just kind of allowed for a more conventionally happy ending. Um, and then Paul said that like it, it was kind of touching um, to me to read that that Rory made the decision to return or to stay and to share in the grief of Katie and Joe. Like mm-hmm. that's another battle for him to fight. And that mm-hmm. that was really like moving for me to read. But then again, it doesn't really explain Sylvia's choice. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I guess like beyond just like kind of the overall feeling that we're getting from the story. I mean, like what were some of your what were some of your highlights, guys? What were some of the things that you really dug about this book? Well, I I just loved the depiction of Sylvia as being both like a wise and ancient Valkyrie and also a 12 year old girl from Arkansas. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, she she had all of the, all of the mannerisms that you'd expect from a a child from the rural south. Uh-huh. Uh but then the things that she said were like wise beyond mortal years. Mm-hmm. It was just it was just really funny to get that juxtaposition. 
Oh yeah, and especially to get it like mid sentence in some ways. <laughs> like mm-hmm. she like you dumb butt, blah blah blah, and then you know whittle off some <laughs> and then drop Einar Yar in there. Like. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, I totally agree with that. And I I totally can feel the I kill giants vibe there, right? Like there's this this childlike um ridiculousness paired with this severe intensity of ancient beings at the same time. Um almost almost traversing into that if we if we took this a step further, it would be like that that anime trope of like here's a child, they're 1000 years old. <laughs> yeah. Um but yeah, that was a really fun bit. I I really enjoyed her in the book too. Uh, Kate, what about you? Did you have any any highlights in, from the book? Yeah, and this is another thing that maybe will become a, a small discussion. Um, but like we um, we see Joe talk to Rory at the end of the book in the last scene, and like he's using actual words in the comic book. But then, like previously in the book, we see I think Rory was talking to his dad and says Joe said. But we know that Joe is nonverbal, at least at that point in the story. So mm-hmm. I think that the last couple of pages of Joe talking to Rory are actually Rory interpreting Joe's um, Joe's looks, Joe's um, like the way his expressions, his his body movements. Like I think that we're just seeing an interpretation, and I think mm-hmm. that it's really interesting that like the creators chose to put his words into a bubble instead of like just having rory like repeat what he thinks he's reading but i liked it i mean like it was Mm -hmm. it was kind of confusing the first time i read it i'm like wait a second we know certain things about joe that this is this is pulling into question but i think that after the second rating i think i've i've figured it out maybe yeah see that's interesting because my interpretation was that i think joe eventually learned to like i don't want to say learn to speak but he he started to speak you know I, i as he got older i think and again, I don't I don't really know like there's I'm sure that there's some backstory and some research that could be done to, to discuss this in like a more academic and intelligent setting. But I'm like my thought it was or my my take on it was that Joe eventually started to speak. And so that was actually them having the conversation, because even even before, I think when when uh, Joe had taken the baby, um, I think he was still ta- he was talking then as well, though it was in, in like small bits. It was interesting because if it, if that's the take if the read that we were supposed to take from it, I like that even more. I, I, it makes me like the story more because it's like his th- these brothers had a true understanding of each other, especially Rory. Like Rory was able to empathize with his brother to a point where he could just feel what his brother was trying to convey, which is which again adds to this this narrative of, of Rory being able to handle all of these things and 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 be more than people or than he even perceived himself to be, you know, it doesn't, not everybody could potentially do that. And I think it's, it's, it's incredibly impressive to see that, you know, hear about someone who can do that kind of thing. So yeah, that's an interesting read on that. I didn't, I didn't take that away, but I like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that the thing that really stood out to me is that it's only him and uh, Rory and Joe in the forest. And then it's only Rory, Joe and Sylvia, who's a, in theory, a mystical being at the Mm -hmm last uh the last scene so we don't see joe speaking around anyone except his brother which on one hand could just mean that he only talks to his brother but yeah yeah. that's why that's why i read it the way that i did Mm -hmm. yeah i took it literally but i do like your idea more (laughs) oh thanks (laughs) yeah i i thought there was like a you know i as depressing as it was i i like the the 
I don't know, just the the roughness of a lot of this story showing like I think I think the way that the book portrayed Rory's struggles in life and Rory being like, this is nothing like this is everyday life for me. Like this is, you know, like why why would you think that this was me actually, you know, living a warrior's life, um, you know, trying to protect his brother from his dad, dealing with his dad, dealing with like, you know, his friend being rude to his brother, being really mean to his brother, you know, all these things that I think in the moment and even upon reflection, I think a lot of people will say, well, what are you talking about? This isn't this wasn't a hard thing for me. This is just the natural thing for me to do. And in Sylvia being like, no, you have to understand like this is this is heavy lifting stuff, even if it wasn't you literally getting in a fight. You know, like this is these are things that are extremely tough battles that not everybody can handle. And yet you did them without thinking. I, I like that overall message of the story, uh, because I think like, you know, a lot of people have that, you know, where, where maybe you are dealing with things that are very tough for others and, and you don't really realize how hard they are or they would be for other people until you actually explain it to someone, you know, just hearing about the things that people are, are doing day to day or doing like throughout their lives that to them seem like, oh, yeah, well, I have to just deal with these 10 really tough things, but they're just normal things for me. It's, it's always really fascinating. And I like that Sylvia highlighted or made that point to to Rory as the story went on that like, not everybody could do this. And yet you did it. You know, yeah, it, it kind of makes point. you think about whatever struggles you may be dealing with in life and thinking like, you say that this is a normal, regular thing, but actually, it might be tougher for a lot of other people. So you should, you know, hold yourself a little bit taller um, for having to deal with these these things. Um I don't know. I thought that was a really good message overall. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Like, even though we don't have, you know, sword and, and horse shield, whatever, medieval battles, uh, Norse battles, I guess is what I'm getting at. Mm-hmm. You know, we still have these incredibly difficult things that people go through in their lives that are maybe day to day experiences. But when you step back, they're, they're, yeah, battles. Yeah. The whole thing smacks of metaphor. Yeah. <laughs> The one other thing I did want to touch on was, you know, what what did you guys think of the art in this book? Um, because I, you know, I, I touched on it a little bit earlier in the, in the episode, but I, you know, the art for me was 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 interesting. But I want to get your takes before I, I dig in on mine. Um, Brian, what did you think? I really liked it. I thought that it was pretty simple. Like it wasn't the most technically complicated art I've ever seen, but I think it worked really well for the story, especially with that whole like is this exactly real what's happening or is this just kind of in, in Rory's head mm-hmm. or in Paul and Joe's head? So just like the, the fact that the art was a little bit rough and a little bit sketchy, I thought really helped to emphasize that. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Kate, what about you? What did you think? I agree. I, I, I guess I've really taken to this like two color treatment in comic books where it's got, you know, black ink get the white background of the page and then some other color and in this case it's blue and i think it makes for a really striking especially on the cover or on like really big uh like single panel pages i think it's just Mm -hmm. really i don't know it's vibrant without being complicated in in many cases there's a couple of panels in this book where they didn't i didn't really like them there was a couple of like shots of just somebody's face that were maybe trying to give you like their expression but it just kind of felt creepy to me <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or there's a couple of, of panels where maybe the art just kind of looked a little bit less refined than the other panels but for the most part i i think that this art style really worked 
Um, and I wanted to point out another comment in our Goodreads group by Paul. And he said that the the, the pretty things, the creatures that Joe uh, sees, they stand out as smooth lined and detailed in comparison to the other art. Mm. And yeah, like, like flipping back through this book to really look at that, that's true. And I think that that is really cool. Like they do look very different than the other art in the book. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I definitely saw that, especially in that. <laughs> that awful scene where we got to see the little like fl- super long-armed striped monster thing go from i'm just a happy smiley face to i have fangs that will eat you yeah <laughs> uh that particular moment was like oh okay so this is uh this is horrifying but like there there was a lot of detail to those little monsters and i don't know like overall the the art of this book was was pretty good like i i again i i feel like there's a simplistic nature to it that that works for what brian you know you pointed out of it being um like is this real is it not um and the easily easy like reflection of like going to the show the real world to showing this world that joe is seeing and you know it worked really well but yeah you know it was it was good it worked i, I don't wouldn't have i don't think i could have i could really critique it beyond just saying like it's it's all right um and it worked for the style of the story but yeah it's it was good it was good. <laughs> I don't know what else to say there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I did like the two-tone style of this book. I thought it would have been maybe even more interesting to see if like when we were looking into the through the eyes of Joe, if there was like more color or something. Um, yeah. But I think that might have gone into like a weird Joe is seeing a fuller world. And I don't think that that was necessarily <laughs> the point. I think the point was that Joe is seeing these other things that other, you know, most people couldn't see. And there was that question of like, is this real? Is it not? Even if we saw it on the page um, that was like ever present throughout the whole story, I think even to the end, you know, with the exception of the fact that Sylvia was actually a Valkyrie and took Joe off um, and what that means, who knows? But yeah, it worked. Worked for me. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Did you guys have any any final thoughts about this book? Anything, any last minute bits you wanted to bring up or anything that we maybe missed over in our conversation? Um, just that you should go check out the the Goodreads uh, thread about this because mm-hmm. there's um, a couple of people commented at Canavan and Paul especially had really long, thoughtful uh, reviews that they left on that thread. And I think that reading their, their thoughts kind of led me to have a more insightful interpretation of this comic. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah, Brian, any, any final thoughts from you before we wrap up? Yeah, I mean, all I'd say is that I, I guess I recommend people go and check this out. It, for me, at least, it was a very quick read. Like, I think I got through this thing in maybe an hour. Mm-hmm. Um, so even if you pick it up and you don't like it, I don't think it's going to take up too much of your time. Yeah, it's definitely not a wordy book. And I totally agree with you. It's it's a book I read pretty quick. Um, and even, you know, not even just trying to fly through it, but also uh, reading just in general, like it's it's not a complex book. I think the narrative is pretty straightforward. Um, and yeah, I would be curious to hear what other people think about this because, like, at the end of the day, like, I I wouldn't say this is the, my you know my favorite OGN of the year, but I think that this is a pretty pretty good book, like middle of the road for me. I, I'd recommend it to folks who want do want to try a comic that's a little bit different and it's gonna leave you with a little bit of an ambiguous feeling um, that I think some you know good novels and graphic novels and stuff can do that that are. I don't know. It's an interesting feeling to have when most things come down to a very solid endpoint resolution um, that have a the end dot 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 question mark. This book kind of, (laughs) you know, ends with a it ends and it's over in the same way that like a story that you tell someone about your life is over and that your life didn't end. This was just a chunk of it that you happen to experience and you're telling someone. So, um, 
yeah, I don't know. Kate, I guess I'll ask this to you as well. Like, would you recommend this book since I think Brian gave his recommendation? Yeah, I, I do think that this is a really good example of like what comics are capable of. And it's got really nice art and everything else that we said that was glowing about it. But like, also, I think that somebody should go into this knowing that it's it's a, it's a little sad. Like, this is going to yeah. be emotional work to read, mm-hmm. but it's it's worth it. Definitely. Definitely. Um, well, yeah, I guess thanks, Brian and Kate, for joining me on this episode. And thanks to everyone hanging out with us in the chat and, and Paul for, for nominating this. Next week's episode, like I said, is going to be a mini-sode. Ice Cream Man Volume 6 for me and Nick. If you haven't read the Ice Cream Man series, what are you doing? Get on it. It's a really <laughs> insane series. Uh, Nick and I are digging into Volume 6. And then uh, January 5th, the following week, Paul and I are going to be talking about this 2000 AD documentary called Future Shock. If you haven't seen it, it's incredible from start to finish. Highly recommend it. Um, it touches on everything from the origins of 2000 AD all the way up through the latest Dread movie and then some. It's very, very good. Um, highly recommend that. But yeah, you'll hear my thoughts and Paul's thoughts on the episode. Uh, anyway, so you can follow us all on Twitter. You can follow Brian at Brian Head. You can follow Kate at Kate Elfier. You can follow me at Mike Rappin. And you can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram and TikTok at IRCB Podcast. This episode first aired on Patreon and is possible because of our wonderful patrons. Join today for exclusive series like the IRCB Movie Club, Saga of Saga, and many more. You can join now at patreon.com slash Podcast. And if you haven't already, please rate and view the show. Give us the five stars. You know we've earned them. Uh, you can do that on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, it'll really help us spread the word about the show. Join the IRCB Discord community to chat comics and more and listen to our episodes live as we record. Check out the link in the show notes. And it would help us a lot if you tell your friends or your local comic shop about the show. Infinity Shred is the best band in the universe. They do all of our music. We can't thank them enough. Xander is a cool guy that makes us sound even cooler every single week. He's our editor. I want to say thanks to Hugh and Hannah and Paul and Jeff and Danny and everybody who was hanging out with us in the uh, Discord chat today. It was really, really fun. I want to say thank you to everyone out there listening. Thank you to everyone who supports us on Patreon and hangs out with us on Goodreads and in Discord and everywhere else on the internet. You are wonderful human beings. Happy holidays. Happy New Year. Until next time, comics are good, and so are you. Every time, I feel like every time someone writes Donny Cates in the chat, like my eyes are immediately drawn to it, and I don't know why. It's really bizarre. All right, I gotta write some. I gotta write some notes here. Danny, stop! <laughs> you guys, stop! <laughs> if you uh, go into a dark bathroom and say "Donny Case" in the mirror three times, Mike shows up and beats the shit out of you. <laughs> <laughs>